0: This is episode 105 of the Swallow Your Pride podcast, and today's guest is Devin Rosillo. She's an SLP who currently works in a pediatric outpatient clinic and lives in Austin, Texas. She's also worked in acute care, SNFs, and home health throughout her career and is an LSVT certified clinician. She is also an empowerment mentor who guides motivated SLPs through their personal and professional development journeys so they can confidently grow and advance in their careers. Devin is also a mental wellness blogger, is a guest speaker on various podcasts, is a singer, songwriter, an explorer of personal development, and a foster and rescue dog mom. (laughs) She is also one of my inner circle members and is committed to lifelong learning and is passionate about educating to empower others. Just a quick disclaimer that all statements and opinions expressed in this episode do not reflect on the organizations associated with the speakers and are their own opinions solely.
1: Hello, Devin. Hi, Teresa. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited for you to
0: be here. So excited to do this episode. I think it's going to be great and it's going to be beneficial and it's going
1: to help so many people. So Awesome. Yeah. (laughs) I hope so, too. (laughs) So tell the people a little bit about yourself. Sure. So my name is Devin Rosillo. I'm a medical SLP. As an SLP, I have a diverse background, ranging from working with geriatrics to pediatrics. I've worked in acute care, home health, inpatient and outpatient rehab, and some private clinic settings. I'm also an LSVT certified clinician, so I have a background in providing voice treatment to patients with Parkinson's. Recently, I've taken on another exciting career passion as an empowerment mentor. And that means I mentor motivated individuals who desire personal and professional advancement. And I provide my clients with accountability and tools for increasing confidence and self-worth so that we're able to use those beliefs to transform areas of their lives, such as attaining their dream job. Also, in the past year, I've become a blogger. So I discuss things like mental wellness, mindset, professional obstacles, and victories in my posts. I've also been a guest on two podcasts, and I'm also an explorer of personal development, and I attend annual development conferences such as the Summit of Greatness, and I think this has helped me really in my personal and professional career. Awesome. All Mm -hmm. right. Well, thank you, my dear.
0: All right. So what are we going to talk talk about today?
1: All right. So we're going to talk about crafting your unique resume and cover letter and confidently crushing the interview so that you can land your dream job. Awesome. All right. Let's hear it. All right. Sounds good. So we're going to talk about the resume and cover letter first and just some information. While it's certainly true that you'll see some conflicting advice and perspectives on these two topics, I'm going to tell you how I think about the resume and the cover letter, what's worked for me and some tips that give you a leg up over other potential candidates. So the way I like to think of the resume versus the cover letter is like this. The resume is a place where you can discuss your clinical job related hard skills in a way that highlights or implies your soft skills or your personal qualities, such as leadership abilities, for example. The cover letter is a little bit different. It's the place where you discuss your soft skills or personal qualities, such as interpersonal skills, and how those skills are able to be used with your clinical skills, such as providing a dysphagia diagnosis to a patient. So it's also a place, the cover letter is also a place where you can demonstrate your ability to be an effective communicator in writing which of course in our field is extremely important for documentation and reaching out to different medical professionals.
0: Yeah. I am so glad you said that. I think it's, I'm kind of in just like this huge hiring blitz for my company right now. And I just can't believe how many people like write so poorly on their resume. And Mm -hmm. it's like, I need to have a really strong documentation skills, really strong written communication skills. And if your first impression to me is poor on a resume, then, no, I don't even entertain it. So,
1: Yes, yeah. definitely. And I'll, I'm going to touch about, in about that a little bit later while we discuss the resume and the cover letter more in, in detail too. So awesome. I totally agree with you. <laughs> all right, so let's dive into the resume. We're going to start from scratch just because there may be some new grads listening or even seasoned professionals who haven't applied for a job in years. So first of all, <laughs> be prepared to commit a lot of time to crafting your, your unique resume it's either your foot in the door or what immediately makes a hiring person not even consider you. So be prepared. (laughs) Know also that it's okay to word vomit on your rough draft of your resume because you're going to craft your language later. So don't worry about the fine details right away. You're just going to throw some information down and then you'll craft and make it more specific and unique as you go. So also you can choose a format, but don't be married to it. Don't waste tons of time in the beginning. You're just going to start with some sort of organized method of throwing information down so that you can get everything out there and get to work. So first of all, I list the companies that I've worked for, and I also will search the positions that I've worked for in, on those specific company websites. And I will list the job duties that I perform based on my personal experience and what the job listing says as long as that's applicable, as long as you actually fulfill those roles. So another smart thing to do though when you're starting your resume is to look up open positions in your field and to use some of that language that's listed in the job openings so that you're sure that your qualifications are in line with the demands and requirements of the job you're going to be applying to. And after you've done that, then you start to get specific on those overlapping descriptors and requirements. So you might use adjectives or keywords from job posts from a job posting and then insert it into your resume, and then you'll use words that describe how you work, that you believe to be true about yourself. So for example, if you believe you're a diligent worker, you write diligently executed such and such, and now you've told your reader what kind of worker you are, such as a, a soft scale, and the work that you're skilled at, which is a hard skill. Awesome. So moving on a little bit to how I set up the resume. First, you want a standout heading, which is your name, address, contact, and your title, of course. And I like on my resume personally, and when I look at other resumes, I think this really stands out. I like to have a leadership and achievement section. And I like to have that in a separate section that pops out. So mine is in the start of my resume. So that the very first thing my readers see is that I'm accomplished and I'm unique in a variety of ways. So what I mean is that some achievements that you list on your leadership and achievement section will indicate whether you're a leader or a team player or both. So specific achievements speak to specific qualities. So, for example, uh, you could say something like prepared and presented research at. ads. Dot, dot, dot. This shows you can be an independent worker. Or you can say you've managed a group of professionals. It shows you can be a leader. Or you can say something like certified in advanced education, which shows that you're a continuous learner, so on and so forth. This section in the leadership and achievement section can also show how you've impacted the company as opposed to simply fulfilling your job duties. Companies are really interested in in what you can bring to them, what value you can bring instead of just fulfilling a role so you could say something like diligently adhere to 90 percent productivity standards thus maximizing company resources so on just an example Love that yes yes so another section after you've done the leadership and achievements you find great things that you've accomplished i move on to the experience or relevant professional experience section here you're going to provide more details about the relevant positions you've worked and you want to weed out the irrelevant or redundant information that you may have put in while you're worth vomiting, <laughs> you can search for something similar to strong resume keywords if you're having a hard time identifying action birds. And there may be overlap from different jobs that you've held in this field. So for example, say you've worked two jobs in, in two hospitals and you did modifieds at, at these two separate hospitals. You want to set the experiences apart from the other, don't just list the same verbiage twice. So, for example, at Hospital A, you develop protocol for conducting Modifieds from start to finish, but at Hospital B, you analyze the results of Modifieds daily after directly performing them both out and inpatient adults. So you don't want to really overlap the same language over and over, which can be easy to do in our field because we have very similar positions. Yeah. So the last step of crafting your unique resume and very, very important is to have, I like to do at least two people review and thoroughly read my resume because it's really important that you're not missing things like typos. (laughs) Hiring professionals really read between the lines. So typos are hugely indicative to an employer. Yes, very much so. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's it's likely that if an interviewer catches a typo in your resume, they'll probably assume that you're not detail-oriented and they're going to toss out your resume. So you want to make sure that you have some good eyes looking at your resume and making sure there are no typos or tense imperfections, etc. Your resume is also a perfect opportunity for you to showcase skills that you don't literally write in there, such as being detail-oriented, being organized, being thorough and specific. And the way that you set up your resume can really show those things and the, and the language that you can use can really show those things. So finally, I would make sure that the editor is someone that you trust and also has a general knowledge of interviewing and what resumes should look like. A man that I love called Grant Cardone said a quote, duplicate the actions and mindsets of successful people and you will create success for yourself. So don't take advice from people who don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And have the people reviewing your resume, make sure they know what they're supposed to be looking for. So those are the the resume tips. We're going to move on to the cover letter, unless you have any questions.
0: No, I love it, Devin. I think you reiterated everything. I mean, for me, it's like when I'm hiring people, especially this, I just was looking for a project manager this last round, which is someone that has to be so detail oriented and really just type a and I couldn't believe the amount of resumes that I got that like one who I thought would be a really good candidate had like eight typos Mm -hmm. and I was like I know like this isn't even acceptable you know so it's it you if you're applying for these jobs you I I'm kind of the conversation that I had with her was like well I saw the job pop up and I just wanted to apply so fast for it and while I while I appreciate that and while I understand that because I'm such a quick start person myself, I'll just dive Mm -hmm. into anything blindly. The job has to be done right. You know, and and how does that translate to our patients is, Mm -hmm. you know, if you have to take the time to do things properly, slow down and do them right. So.
1: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. And sorry, let
0: me ask you a question, Devin. I know because a lot of people ask like, especially now with like, you know, medical SLP being kind of a lot more of a specialty and people really trying to pursue these jobs that otherwise might have been out of reach, they're pursuing a lot of continuing education credits on their own. Do you advise of putting all those continuing ed courses right on the resume or what do you think is the best way
1: that's to That's go a good question. That? Yeah, that's something I didn't mention. Um, I do think that it's really important. I think if there's any certifications that you've achieved through continuing ed, that's a great thing to put in your leadership and achievement section. And then it's also, it, it's great to list the CEUs that you've done, but you don't need to list every single one if it's not relevant. Yeah. So yeah. if you're applying for a hospital position and you took a cranial nerve exam CEU, that might be relevant. But if you took a pediatric language processing CEU, that might not be something that you need to mention. Yeah. Yeah. So, as long as they're relevant.
0: Yeah. And I like what you said about streamlining them to like certifications. Like, I think of like, you know, MDTP or MBSIMP or LSVT, those are actual like certifications. So, I think those would be great to put in that blurb. But what I've also heard other people say is they've put something like, you know, have attended over 100 hours of continuing education Mm -hmm. this year. You know, like, I can't think of how someone put it, but I really liked it. But then when Mm -hmm. I brought them in for the interview, they actually handed me the list of Mm -hmm. all the courses. So it was nice because it didn't bombard the resume, but it made me very aware that this person has taken and invested in themselves and taken a lot of courses. So then at the the interview, we were able to dive Mm -hmm. into that a lot
1: more. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. If you can put together a separate a separate sheet with the CEUs that you have taken that you know you're able to discuss with the employer during the interview, that would be excellent. Yeah, and, and exactly. And, and not to encumber the resume with all that giant list because you just read yeah. everything at first glance. Right. Awesome. Good question. Yes. Okay. So the cover letter... I was looking at an article in Business Insider, and the author stated that approximately half of all HR professionals will literally dismiss and toss aside a resume that's not submitted with a a cover letter. So (laughs) I took away from this, submit a cover letter. It's very important. It gives so much important information to your hiring professionals, and there's a lot of information we can really include in there. So... First, back to the basics again. I would follow a cover letter format using templates for SLPs. Just for web searches, you can you can easily separate ones that look awful versus ones that look great. And and the good thing about a cover letter is most of them are pretty uniform. So the cover letter is really an opportunity to paint a better picture of who you are instead of just what you do. So you can tell the person that you're interviewing with. You can tell them about relevant interests. For example, I always include something about my experience with personal development and that I believe being grounded personally and having a strong personal foundation is paramount to prospering in your professional career. I think that's relevant. It might not be as relevant to say, I really love swimming <laughs> on my days off. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, that yeah. that little piece of, of what you enjoy or what's interesting to you can be directly related to what your profession is to. So before writing your cover letter, I like to ask myself one specific question, but there are others that I'll talk about. What three qualities make you unique? So this is a really, really telling question to you personally. It helps you figure out what on earth you believe to be true about yourself that maybe you haven't thought about before. And those are really the things that... make you stand out and make you believe in your value to other people, to employers. So I like to have three to five key words that I know to be true about my work ethic and my personality in the workplace. So for example, my words are goal-oriented, passionate, empowering, and innovative. And the words that when you're asking yourself this question, what three qualities make you unique? The words that originally come to you may seem unrelated to the position at first, but you can make them relevant. So if you made a statement, I'm a compassionate clinician who is able to show patience and sensitivity toward patients and families who are struggling to, to cope with their situation, that's okay. We're in a patient-centered field. Interpersonal skills are incredibly relevant. So even though those words come up to you at yes. first and don't seem relevant, you can make them because we're in a patient-centered We're in a patient-centered field, and it's really important to have those extra skills. So I personally believe that this is a really good section to highlight your soft skills, like I just said, which is why my keywords are about my personal qualities as opposed to just my clinical skills. So additionally, you want to tailor your cover letter to the specific job and description. You don't want to just send a general one to each position. First of all, employers will be able to tell that you're doing that. And it makes you look lazy, and we don't want to do that. Yeah. So don't be vague. Look at the the position you're applying to, and choose certain things that stood out to you about the specific position, and let the employer know. And lastly, don't forget to thank your employers for their time and consideration at the end of your cover letter. Those are the big keys for the cover letter. Awesome. Yeah. Yes.
0: I, I do love that, Devin. I think it's. I'm kind of one of those too that when people send me generic cover letters that are not specific to the job or anything. I just totally dismiss them. Like it's, it's very obvious when you send something that you can tell that they've just sent out to Mm -hmm. the masses, you know, and whereas there's ones that specifically, they picked out keywords of the job Mm -hmm. description, you know, they know they're familiar with what I do and Mm -hmm. what my company does and, you know, the things that we offer. And I think that's so important. You know, I keep going back to like the people that, Oh, mm-hmm. I just wanted to get it in so quick, but like slow down and take a minute, like <laughs> read up on the job description, read up on the company, read up on yes. the company's values. Cause that's going to be really important. You know, if you know somebody that works there, what is, what is really important to them? You know, is it productivity? Is it, it <laughs> you know, it shouldn't be, but is it, you know, <laughs> while, while delivering good patient care, because some facilities do have good productivity while right. delivering good patient care. So I think really hitting on what's important to the facility and to their values and making it a tailored cover letter is just going to make you stand out so much more than just, mm-hmm. hi, I'm Teresa. I'm interested in yes, your speech yeah, pathology. Absolutely. Job. Yeah. So I'd like to take a quick second to thank our wonderful sponsor, EndoHD. They're a true high-definition endoscopy system created specifically for SLPs by an SLP for conducting fee studies. EndoHD is a compact fee system with a maneuverable design that provides convenience to do fees in more locations in the hospital, ICU, CCU, PICU, exam room, patient room. At Altara vision. they combine cutting-edge technology with clinician-inspired devices and phenomenal customer service to make the best imaging devices in the country. Go to www.ndohd.com forward slash contact to discuss your specific fee systems requirements, pricing, or to request a live product demonstration. That's www.ndohd.com forward slash contact.
1: So that brings us to interviewing confidently. Yay! <laughs> so there, yes. So there are surprisingly many steps to this section. Before the interview, you want to prepare and I don't believe that there's just one piece to preparing. I really think that there are two pieces. There are, there's preparing physically, so, you know, interview clothes, et cetera, and preparing mentally. So we're going to discuss the mental preparation first. And this is the part of the preparation phase. It's your opportunity to really, really start believing what you put on paper in your cover letter and on your resume and to believe in the skills that you listed about yourself, and that your qualities and skills are valuable to other people, and that you can bring value to a company. So this is really the confidence building stage. And confidence is just so incredibly important when you're walking into that interview. Yes, completely. So getting your brain and mindset ready, you need to know your value and your worth. And a way that I like to recognize this is I like to ask myself some of these questions why are you valuable or why am I valuable? Again, what three qualities set me apart from others? You could ask yourself why you would hire you and maybe what you could improve on professionally and how you're willing to improve the skill. So those are some questions that really help with self-awareness. And as you're becoming more self-aware, you can really start to Teach yourself that you are valuable and, and recognize that there is confidence there. You just need to grab it. <laughs> so as I mentioned earlier, your three top qualities are very important during the preparation phase. You want to make sure that you've chosen three strong personal or professional qualities that you believe to be true and that are also relevant to the position. So don't forget that your personal qualities are incredibly important because as an SLP, you need to have these solid interpersonal skills. So you're going to prepare yourself to provide very specific answers during your interview too. A lot of SLP positions in various settings will like to use real life scenarios that you've encountered through grad school or your career and ask behavioral questions during the interview. So for example, one type of question was, what was the most challenging obstacle you faced as an SLP and how did you resolve it? That's a very common interview question. Specifically, in hospitals, I've noticed, so I've noticed a little trend. Hospitals seem to like to ask practical application stories from previous work experiences. I've noticed that SNFs or nursing homes like to ask practical application, what would you do? So like future situation type questions. And then home health and private practice, I've also noticed may ask some more behavioral questions and what experience you do have. So those are just a little, a couple trends, just a little tip. Awesome. (laughs) But... You should think about and rehearse out loud or or in your head what you want them to know about you. So I really think one of the most important interview questions is tell me about yourself. And you need to be prepared to answer this question because you can be all over the place with this answer. Yeah. (laughs) And you want to know ahead of time that what you're going to say is actually important to the employer. So this is where you can talk about your qualities and skills, just as you mentioned in your cover letter, but this is where you can really elaborate, too. So there's an article that I read that's tied into this preparation stage, and it's called Power Gets the Job, Priming Power Improves Interview Outcomes. And one quality or skill that helps people excel during interviews is the feeling of having power. So this is what the article talks about. The authors introduce a woman named Francesca Gino and her, pers- her professional journey, and she is a behavioral scientist and an expert on psychology. The article states that for two years, Francesca was not offered any university positions, but she eventually began getting offers, and the variable responsible for that change was her pre-talk ritual. So before her interviews and her talks that she gave at universities, she wrote down a specific time in which she experienced the feeling of power. So the researchers did some studies and they proposed that by recalling and reflecting on the time when one experienced power or feeling powerful, the individual would thus gain and project power-induced feelings of control, optimism, and confidence. And these feelings then lead to a more confident, self-assured communication style and more dominant nonverbal behavior. And there were two sets of experiments and two groups plus a control group in their experiment. The two groups were the low power primed group, where they were asked to recall a negative non-powerful experience, and the power primed group, where they were asked to recall powerful experiences prior to the interviews. So this is where it ties into the preparation phase. In one experiment, applicants had to complete a written application, and in the other one, they had to do a face-to-face interview. Applicants in the low power prime group were asked to recount an experience when they felt powerless, and applicants in the power prime group were asked to recall an experience where they felt powerful. The results indicated that applicants in the power prime group felt more powerful, and that the interviewers were more likely to accept the applicants that had been power primed. Because they showed up with more confidence. These outcomes indicated that by thinking about a powerful time in an individual's life prior to the interview, it directly improved the interviewer's perception of the candidate and increased the tendency of the interviewer to hire power prime applicants, which is wild to me. I think that's amazing. The, uh, the data, the data of this article specifically revealed that power increased the odds of acceptance by 81% compared to the baseline group and by 162% compared to the low power prime group. So that's pretty incredible to me. <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. So yeah, the the message that I personally take away from this research is that when when a person is reminded of the time when they felt powerful in their preparation, their confidence increases, and that ultimately leads to more opportunities. So that really, really speaks to how Projecting confidence is so directly related to how other others perceive you and your ability to create more opportunities for yourself.
0: Yeah. I I love what you're talking about, Devin, because I know it's so hard sometimes to prepare in a sense for what questions are going to be asked. Like, Mm -hmm. well, what do I say for this? But I think really if you've kind of quizzed yourself on some of these things Mm -hmm. and I think what's most important is having a script for a lot of these questions. And Mm -hmm. I know there's a there's a girl I'll probably have her come on in a little bit. And she she's in my current inner circle group. And she'd interviewed for seven hospital jobs mm-hmm. and just couldn't figure out why she wasn't getting them. And she's like, I really just think I'm not a good interviewer. So we went over, you know, I brought in I have a career coach that comes in to help the inner circle this last round inner circle people. And she really gave them some tips on how to develop some scripts for answering these questions so that even if it's not the exact question that you were first asked or that you really prepared the script for, you can use a lot of that stuff and kind of spin it in that way. So yes. really working through some of these and having prepared responses and having, you know, like you said, knowing yourself and mm-hmm. knowing what you're strong in and some of those soft skills skills. Mm-hmm. can really help you a ton. So, combining the scripts with like you mm-hmm. said the power the power thoughts really can
1: be a winning combo. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Very true. So, there's a like I said the, there's another piece of preparation and that's just the super basics, the the physical things that you can do. So, in preparation, you want to know about the specific setting you're going to you're applying to and the population that the job requires you to work with. So a good thing to do is to learn the company's core values or their mission statement. And I'll tie into why that's important a little bit later, but you also want to have a completed and printed resume or a professional notepad that you can bring to the interview and make sure that your interview clothes fit at least one day before the interview. Yes. Because if they yes. don't, you have time to go get new ones. Yes. Last thing is you want to have, questions for the interviewer prepared for when it's your turn to speak during the interview because they, more often than not, they will give you the opportunity to ask questions. So when you're thinking of these these questions that you're going to ask, think about what's important to you to know about the company, to know about the person who will be supervising or directly above you and to know about the position. And this will be really related to what your values are. So think about what your values are and then prepare a list of, a quest- of questions for the interviewer based on those, which takes us to during the interview. So, so let's get super basic again really quickly, just because we may have new grads listening or people who haven't applied to jobs in a while. So very basics. Arrive 15 minutes early is the standard, has been the standard for so many years and probably will continue to be Smile. This makes you approachable and it shows that you're interested in the employer, the interviewer, and um, what you're going to be talking about during the entire interview. Shake their hand, of course, and repeating their name to them shows respect and more interest in the interviewer as well. Sitting at the edge of your chair with good posture also shows interest and Those are just the basics, but be prepared moving into when the actual interviews, the the conversation actually starts happening. Be prepared for tell me about yourself because, like I said, it will come. Yes. (laughs) Um, it may not actually, it may not come in the first screening. If you have like a phone screening by an HR person for a hospital setting, for example, they may not ask that. They may ask specifically about your relevant skills so they can pick out keywords that you've used to see if you match what the qualifications might be and then send you on to the next round or not. But tell me about yourself usually comes during either a one-step process or if there's three steps to the interview process. So anyway, start out strong, provide your top selling points, and showcase your personality. You really want to do show your personality because how you show up in an interview will tell them how you're going to show up in the workplace and how likable you are. Use your top three quality words during this dialogue. So a good way to answer this question is using the framework, tell them who you are, why you're qualified, and why you're here. So I'm gonna give you some examples of each of those things. Who you are indicates a confident, compelling statement about who you are professionally. So an example, I'm a medical SLP who has worked in a number of medical settings and I'm skilled in diagnostics of clinical disorders and skilled in leadership. So that's just one example, but you don't want what you don't want to do is you don't want to lead with what you've done a long time ago. You want to reference your most current experience, relative experience, and what amazing things you've done there. The next piece of the framework is why you're qualified. So you want to focus on two to four points that set you apart, really your selling points. So an example, I've spent three and a half years in skilled nursing, where I excelled at creating new programs for the short and long-term residents with aphasia and dysarthria. And then we move on to why you're here. You'll eventually push all those things together, by the way. But why you're here for you to express enthusiasm about the position. That's why you're here. You want to show them that you're enthusiastic, that you want the position, and that you're really interested in what it can offer you. So you might say, I'm here because I'm excited about a new opportunity to be in a challenging position, which will keep me continuously learning. That statement in and of itself shows a lot of things about who you are personally and professionally. So moving on, after you've answered that question, or even while you're answering the tell me about yourself question, you're going to discuss your qualities and values versus only speaking about your skills. Like I've said a million times far, <laughs> when you, when you talk about your qualities versus just your skills, people really like you more and it gives you a unique leg up over other candidates because when people listen to you talk about yourself, you're giving them ways to relate to you. And I'm going to discuss a little bit later, but being relatable is very helpful to getting people to like you and trust you actually. And I think that's,
0: Mm -hmm. that's really huge with working with patients too. Mm -hmm. Like that's one thing that I consider, you know, would I want this person to work with my patients? Yes or no.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) It's also especially important to believe in your true qualities and then discuss them confidently. Like we talked about with the power primed article, you want to make yourself likable. Likeable people are more likely to keep their job. Studies have shown why, because they're easier to work with. So that said, also be authentic during this interview. It's really important to show your true self in an interview rather than just giving a really tight elevator pitch without showing your personality or putting up a front. You don't, you don't want the interviewer to think that you're just telling them a story and something that's not actually you. So be authentic. Interviewers also like when you tell stories by being specific and showing understanding of both sides of the story. So maybe a story of a conflict you've had in the past. You want to show, be relatively objective. You don't want to put others down, of course, on the other side of the conflict. You want to show understanding of both sides of the stories and how you work through their problem. Another approach that I really prefer in interviews and which has helped me significantly is using a conversational style during the interview. Instead of just straight up answering questions, (laughs) make it into a conversation and and a back and forth with the interviewer. If it doesn't seem possible due to the structure of the questioning, you can always answer the question directly and then redirect to create a more conversational style during each answer. And your ability to do this really shows your interpersonal skills and shows your personal qualities. And you can highlight your personal and professional qualities when you create conversation. Again, when you're creating conversation, you can touch on things that they didn't directly ask you that you want them to know about you. So here's a little information. You may walk into an interview where the interviewer is showing you a lot of interest and they seem to really be liking you. Or you may walk into an interview where they are totally stone faced and lack interpersonal skills and, and aren't showing you any idea of whether they like you or not. And that can be a hard situation to be in. So if they're showing interest in you, show them as much interest that they're showing in you, in them. (laughs) So, but if they're not showing you interest, that's really a good opportunity for you to ramp up your level of interest and show them that you want to be there and why you're there. It's also the the interview process is really your chance to interview your interviewer as well and learn about their leadership style. It's really, really important for you to know about them rather than just hearing, rather than just telling them about you because they make an impression and they make an opinion about you, but you need to know what they're like, what their leadership qualities are like, what what the company culture is, et cetera, so that you know whether your personality and your being will thrive in that environment. Yeah,
0: that's probably the most important piece of advice that I tell anybody who asks me when they're going into an interview. And mm-hmm. if anybody is familiar with, I, I've read pretty much every single one of Patrick Glencioni's books. And one of them is about, you know, how A, players don't work for B, leaders. Mm-hmm. So if you are an A player, you want to work for an A leader. Mm -hmm. And I think for whatever reason, some people get put in these leadership positions, but they don't know what to do with them or they don't know how to lead the ship, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think interviewing them in the beginning, too, is just crucial to your success and to your career fulfillment. And if you find out that this person is the person you're going to be working for and they're a flake or they don't know what they're doing, you know, you're not going to be happy and you're just wasting everybody's time. So Mm -hmm. I think it's so crucial to be interviewing that person as much as it is for you to be interviewing too. And I think also, you know, now hopefully with PDPM, hopefully that'll change, Mm -hmm. you know, with how we're treating our patients and productivity and things, but you know, this is the time to ask them, what is their productivity? Mm -hmm. What is, what do you, you know, what do you anticipate if I get stuck in a Family meeting for two hours. Am I going to be scolded? You know, mm-hmm. like I think this is the time to really ask those questions because then you end up taking the job and finding out it's 95% productivity and their mm-hmm. expectations are completely unrealistic. Right. You know, so I, so this is the time to really ask those questions. And to be honest, like as in, as someone who does these interviews, I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Like, it makes me feel like this person's really invested in this position and they're invested in me and they want to know if we are a good match. If we're not a good match, we're not a good match. Right. You know, but I it really shows a lot to me as someone that's hiring that, oh, wow, this person is really in it for the long run, and they're right. in it for the right reasons. And they've definitely put a lot of time and thought into this. So mm-hmm. I think that's the most crucial piece.
1: Absolutely. So. Yeah. Yeah. I really, um, I learned that over, I've been in speech for almost four years. And so I learned that just by continuously interviewing, you know, when when I was a new grad, I did a bunch of interviews and I learned over time, more and more that conversation and interviewing your interviewer are just like totally the most important pieces of the actual interview because you want to make sure that you're a great fit and and that the person you're going to be under and that the environment you're in is setting you up for success because ultimately we want to be fulfilled in our career and that's what fulfillment is is what keeps us doing what we do you know so yeah yeah 100%. 100%. So speaking to that, you can you can ask the interviewer character or behavioral questions, so, such as how would you describe yourself as a leader? How would you help an employee who's struggling to handle the demands of the job? And how would you consider your approachability? Things like that, where they really have to give you an extended answer as opposed to just a yes or no question. There are a number of questions that you can ask that show your interest in the job and the company. And these questions also reveal to the hiring manager that you want to know if the company or supervisor are the good fit for you. So you can use the four C's. The four C's are connect, culture, challenges, and close. So I will explain each of those. They indicate types of questions that you can ask the hiring manager so that they know you're interested in them. So connect means you want to relate to your hiring manager. Connection and relatability are huge during the interview process. Someone who's relatable, there's something in psychology called the similarity attraction effect. And that basically indicates that we like people who are like us. So we tend to like people who have similar values and interests. And so by being relatable to the interviewer, we should really listen to what they have mentioned and then find a way to relate to some of their talking points. It makes them more interested in you and you're more interested in them. So something like, it sounds like your view on ethics is similar to mine. We both appreciate working ethically in the wor- in the workplace instead of taking shortcuts, etc., So questions such as, how did you come to work here shows interest. What do you love most about working here? It shows that you're interested in the interviewer and then you can relate to the information that they share back to you. The next C is culture. And this tells you about if the culture or the company, I'm sorry, shares similar values to you. So you can say something like, tell me about the most successful hire you've made recently. Why is this person valuable in their role? And that information gives you... It gives you info about what type of employee is good in that interviewer's eyes. And it can help you see whether your values are aligned with theirs. So what one person considers a good employee may not be a good employee to you. So this really gives you information about what the potential employer is looking for. So the next C is challenges. That gives you information about are there challenges in in, in this position that will help you grow? So a question you could ask is, tell me about the biggest challenge the company will experience this year and how will I help in it? That gives you information about what you're going to be dealing with and then what piece you have to play in it and and if that's going to be an opportunity that helps you grow or if it sets you back. You can also ask questions like, how will I measure my own performance so that I'm being successful in in this role? Feedback is really, really important and you don't always know or you can't always count on the fact that there will be performance reviews, I'll say. So this question helps you determine how they measure you. And it gives you information about how or if you'll get a raise or promotions and how you can provide feedback to yourself over time. And then the last C is close. So if there were skills or experience that would make me more appropriate for this job, what would they be? That's an example of a question. You also want to ask things like, what's the next, pro- what's the next step in this process? This tells you about their candidate pool, when things will move forward, when you can expect to hear back from them, and even some things that you can say in your thank you note. And I really love to ask this next question because I think that every interview Whether you get the job or not is a a really good chance for you to continue to grow in your interview skills. So you can ask, how may I better my candidacy or how can I better my candidacy? And this will give your interviewer the opportunity to provide you some feedback about how the interview went in their eyes. And that helps you get a better idea of whether you'll be hearing back from them and also what you can do to improve your next interview. So those are the tips for during the interview process. And then the next step is to manifest your dream job. (laughs) So after the interview, it's really important to thank your interviewers for their time by sending them a thank you email. Some people still recommend sending a handwritten letter. I've never tried it. I don't know necessarily if I agree with it. I don't know if people want to open handwritten letters. And then also the thing is, how long will it actually take to get to them? Maybe some people like to see an email in their inbox within 24 hours after the interview, and that's not going to happen if you send a handwritten letter. So I don't know about that, but I would send an email thanking your interviewers, and in that, you're going to highlight what you're excited about, about the position, and you're going to, it's another opportunity to recap your skill set and qualities and how you'll add value to their team, and another opportunity for you to add some information that you may have forgotten to say during the interview. And then finally, you want to thank them for their time. Uh, let them know that you're looking forward to hearing from them soon
0: <laughs> about <Yeah>. the job.
1: <laughs> awesome. Yes.
0: Thank you, Devin. This was awesome. Absolutely. Thank you for having
1: me. Of course. I wanted to ask you about the tell me about yourself questions. Yeah. After hearing the content that we discussed during this episode, I want to know if you could see how I use the strategies that I discussed in my way to introduce myself because I think that introduction was very relevant. Yes. Very much so. Awesome. Yes. And yeah, so I think just to tie everything together, like I said, oftentimes an interviewer's first question, whether it's a screening, a phone interview, face-to-face interview, it's going to be tell me about yourself and how you answer this question, I think dictates how the rest of the interview will go. So the interviewer will either be compelled by your response or they may be completely underwhelmed by a generic response and make their decision about you right then. So how you answer that question is really your first chance and sometimes your only chance to set yourself apart from others, get your foot in the door, and cause your, inter- your interviewers to really have a positive impression of you. So your answer should be engaging, show confidence, and highlight your personal qualities and the tremendous value that you bring, and make sure you believe it. Awesome. I love it, Devin. I think this was so
0: great. We've been needing to do an episode, you know, about this for so Mm -hmm. long, because so many people are constantly asking, like, what should I put on my resume? And Mm -hmm. how do I interview? So thank you. I think this Mm -hmm. is going to be so helpful. And you know, I think a lot of it is like, it's part career coachy stuff. But Mm -hmm. then it's also part like, we've been slps for a while we've both you know been on both sides of the interview process and right. you know kind of know what works and what people are looking for and how you can be prepared and mm-hmm. you know as i get, i keep going back to as much as i just fly by the seat of my pants with everything these really aren't the things to fly by the seat of your pants with <laughs> and really take the time to you know, be prepared, mm-hmm. write out your resume, write out your cover letter, mm-hmm. write out some scripts for what you're
1: going to say during the interview, and mm-hmm. you should nail it. So Yes, yes, definitely. Yeah. And even though it is time consuming and it may seem like a huge task and very arduous and a big project, it's so putting in the time is so worth it. Yes. And really preparing, putting the time to the resume, cover letter and preparing is just so worth it in the long run. So yeah, especially if you get your dream job. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So
0: awesome. Thank you, Devin. You're so wonderful. All right. Thank you, Teresa. It was great to talk to you today. Yes, you as well. So if you would love to hear more of these episodes and get some easily digestible bites of swallowing knowledge, then please leave a review on iTunes or pledge a small amount on patreon.com forward slash swallow your pride because that is what keeps these episodes coming.